Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Golden Ratio Podcast. I am Jen, your mom, joined as always by Jared Dad. Hi. How's it going, Jared Dad? You know, a lot of stuff going on. Yep, yep. This is true. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, cocktail of the week, the Queen's Park Swizzle. Whoa. Know, dear Dad, I knew you'd react like that. I had just like a spasm <coughs> reaction. Yeah, what is up with the Queen's Park Sizzle? Swizzle. Swizzle. The Queen's Park Swizzle I had once at the Columbia Room, one of the best bars in the country. Yeah. According to people who rate such things. The old Columbia Room or the new Columbia Room? The new Columbia Room. Well, that's good. Uh... The Columbia Room is this great bar where you basically get a tasting menu. So you pay whatever, like a hundred bucks. It's like a lot of money. And you go in and you get like three or four drinks. And three or four. Good, little snacks that good, go with but it. But they're like interesting food. Yes, yes. Like high interest level food. Very high. Um, it's really great. We used to go, the old Columbia Room, which was in a different building, we used to go every week. They'd have a different menu every week. Oh, We'd go every week. We were younger then. It was five years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um, and then the they closed the building that they were in because they remodeled it, and so they moved to a new space. Which it used to be like this back room in an other bar. It was you'd like a go into the, yeah. this bar called The Passenger, and you'd go to the back, and there was an unmarked door, and you'd go through it into like a vestibule, and then they'd be like, do you have a reservation? <laughs> and if you did, then they'd let you through another door into the actual bar, which was, I think... A storage room. It was. That got converted into a bar. It would seat eight people. And they didn't even really have enough, like, wet bar facilities. No, and there was, like, a weird... <laughs> like, it didn't have air conditioning for a while. <laughs> it did not. They put a window one in. It, yeah, like one of those, like, wall-mounted ones. Yeah. Uh, it was great. We got engaged there. We did. And then when they closed it, uh, which was New Year's Eve of some year... Because they had to, because the building was being demolished. Yeah, the whole building was being changed. Uh, we went to like the New Year's dinner slash drink thing, like with the bar owner and everybody. We yeah. took a brick out of the wall, which we, we still have. We got a brick. And the yeah. bar owner signed it. Derek signed it. He did, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have since interviewed him on Kojo, and he's like, I knew who you were, but I didn't know you were so smart. You're really <laughs> smart. And I was like, okay, this has been successful. Too late. I already married. <laughs> Excuse me. So uh, anyway... At the new Columbia Room, they have sort of changed it up where they do a new menu like every season. So there's like four menus a year. And we haven't gone as much as we used to, but sometimes we get in the habit of going and it's like, well, we've already had the menu, like the special drinks. So we're just going to do whatever we want. And we just ask for stuff and they make it. Yep. They made me a Queen's Park Swizzle. It's basically a mojito with bitters. So it's like ice and mint and rum and simple syrup and bitters. You put it in a glass like crushed ice and you use a swizzle stick. Hence the name that you know. Yes, yes. um, To mix it all up. But that's basically what it is. Uh, It's very delish. Can I excurge for a couple sentences? go for it. The drink making is not easy. Mm -mm. Right? And like the Columbia Room and other craft cocktails... They'll spend like days, you know, weekends working on different combinations and like mixing yeah. stuff. And they, they're like, oh, this would be a good idea. And then they try it and then they, they go, oh, this is not a good idea. Yeah. And then they go, oh, maybe if we use less of this or if we add some of this. And it's very, 
I mean, this is overly romanticizing perhaps, but it's like alchemy, right? Where you're just yeah. like trying to put stuff together. There's no map. There's no directions. You're trying to do something new that will work, that will taste good in your mouth. Um, <coughs> and there's there's some rules, but uh, look, a lot of the craft cocktails try to break or bend the rules and, and, and mess with them. Yeah. And it, that's the fun part now. I think a lot of it is like, getting a really deep understanding of like the flavors of the stuff you're working with and what works together. Cause we had this, we, when we went to, we went to Iceland. So we have a friend who we probably have mentioned on the podcast before who's been to every country, 196 countries. Yeah. And he saved Iceland for last. And he had a big party where he invited a bunch of people to go to Iceland. Uh, this is our friend Jason. Because why not? Iceland. And so Some, he saved Iceland. Somewhat central. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so, this is like three years ago, maybe. And he's like, okay, so we're going to Iceland in September. Like, this is going to be my last country that I have to check off the list. And we're going to go for like a long weekend and like have a party to celebrate it. And I think there were 20 of us. Yeah. And his mom. His mom, his brother, me and GR dad. And then everybody else was a gay man. There was a couple women who were oh, hanging out with all woman. the gay men. Yeah. No, that's right. There was another couple. And there was one single woman. Everybody else was a gay guy because our friend is a gay guy. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was just the most fun time. And he does a lot of like event planning and organizing stuff as part of his work. yeah. And so he just knew exactly what to lo do logistically. So we had like a tour on the first day, right? That bus yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we did like this super Jeep tour the second day, which is like one cool. of... The highlight experiences of my life. There were four of these like souped up Jeeps, five people. <laughs> souped up Jeep Wranglers. <clears throat> yep. Badass. Five people to a Jeep. I mean, they had like snorkels, these big giant tires. And it was supposed to be like a full day tour, which I think was supposed to be six hours. And I think we were out for 12. And they just took us everywhere. Yeah. They stopped uh, on the glacier. We literally the drove onto a glacier. Waterfall. Oh, my God. We drove through. So we were in the car yeah. with this other couple and one of the guys. And uh, the couple was super cool. And the guy, Mark, had, like, brought along the immigrant song. Yeah, from Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Which is about Iceland. It's a song that goes, ah. ah. <laughs> and so he's like playing this song he like plugs in his ipod and is playing this song like cranked up the driver's totally into it this you know native Icelandics, Icelandians are usually crazy like Bjork oh my God. or this driver, <laughs> this driver. Yeah. and so we're driving through that's when we drove through the river yeah we did like twice just like full he we're like on this hill and he like floors it downhill into this river I mean, it was door, <laughs> window deep. Oh, my God. Window deep. We yeah, could see the water sure. at the windows. Window deep. There's snorkels on the Jeeps. I mean, it was just insane. I felt like it was in an aquarium. A life highlight this trip. That was so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, shout out, superjeeps.is. You can book a tour with them. <laughs> I think we literally had everybody who worked there, like the mechanics were driving Jeeps. Like yeah, everyone we, was doing the tours. We booked them solid. Yeah, it was like our whole group that took it up. Um, just like friends of this guy, Jason. It was so much fun. Now you and, bend uh, towards cocktails again. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> On that trip, I was like, we should get some Icelandic liquor. Yeah. 
<coughs> we got this terrible Icelandic whiskey. Because oh. they, they have a great airport in Keflavik, in Reykjavik. Yeah, lots of like Icelandic branded liquor in the duty-free shop. Yep. And so uh, we bought this whiskey that I think we ended up throwing out. It was just undrinkable. Yeah, it was. <coughs> the marketing was great, but the whiskey itself tasted it real good. rough. And then we got this birch liqueur. Mm-hmm. It has a birch branch, stick. like a stick in it. A stick in it. So it's this big, tall, skinny bottle. There's a stick from a birch tree in it. It tastes like a birch tree. If you bit Sweet it. Sweet and alcoholic. It. <laughs> it's weird, but it's good. Yeah, it was good. And... Uh, and we had a party. Was that our Christmas party that we had? Nah, maybe. We had some party. Yeah, yeah, it was a Christmas party. I think it was Christmas. Because like our neighbor Martha came over. It was Martha and somebody else. And yep. I was like, and so we, we have like, in our dining room, I have like a cabinet that we got from Pottery Barn. It's like a bookcase, like an old school bookcase that takes up the whole wall and has sliding glass doors. Like it's not like a single bookcase. It's... Six or seven feet wide. Uh, it's it's a, yeah. The whole bookcase is full of liquor. It's a wardrobe, really. I mean, yes. if you were like Narnia, it could be in the back of it. Oh, my God. It's bigger than that. But it has a glass door, so you would see if Narnia Two glass doors, it's yeah. Not, no, it's not. Uh, it's huge. I mean, it takes up a whole wall of our dining room, and it's mm-hmm. just full of liquor. It, like, literally all the shelves are full of liquor. And so we just kind of break that out for parties. Like, I, I say, here are some cocktails to try. Because it doesn't go bad. Yeah. Um, but... Anything that you want out of the liquor cabinet, you can just drink it or let me know and I'll make you a cocktail or I'll give it to you on ice. <laughs> and her, she and somebody else found that birch liqueur. I was making a cocktail with it. I think they drank three quarters of the bottle, like to the point where she went to Iceland on a trip with a friend and brought me back a bottle of it and like left it at the house. Like, here, I brought you back some of this birch liqueur. I have to drink that stuff. But like... I was like, all right, we got this, we're having this party. We've got this birch liqueur. It's really interesting. What can we make it with? And I'm like tasting just the straight liqueur and going like, this would be good with grapefruit juice. And we're going to do it like simple syrup, grapefruit. And it was the cocktail that I like literally invented out of my brain was delicious. Like grapefruit juice and simple syrup and um, this birch liqueur and something else. And we like gave it, I think we called it like the immigrant cocktail. <laughs> I remember. Cause yeah. Then it was a Muller uh, party. Yeah. Oh, was that the Muller party? It must've been. So <laughs> we have these Robert Muller prayer candles, like Catholic prayer candles, like big, tall, skinny things. This is getting all political, but you know, <laughs> it's over now. <coughs> it's yeah. not, it's he's, never over. Well, he's done. Um, but we, you know, we got these, someone had a Kickstarter for them. There was, there were two candles, a Robert Mueller prayer candle and then the P-tape prayer <laughs> candle. And we each bought a pair. Yeah. And you then. Had, you had to buy them together or something. It I, may have, you're right. It may have been that party. the Mueller one than the And P-tape. so we had a Robert Mueller prayer altar party. Yeah, those were the days. Where everyone who came, we set up an altar. It had like a picture, a framed picture of Robert Mueller and these <laughs> prayer candles and like some random other yeah. vaguely occulty yeah. looking stuff. That was that party. It's like two layer stuff. Yeah. And everybody, if you came to the party, you had to bring an offering to the voodoo altar to Robert Mueller in our house. And we had like Mardi Gras beads. It was great. Yeah, yeah. We had some like stuff, voodoo stuff we got from New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. All of our New Orleans voodoo stuff was out. Uh, it could have been that party. And and so when we have parties like this, because I make cocktails, which a lot of people don't do at parties, 
um, I make like a little cocktail menu. And that's right. We had the white Russian on there yeah, and the immigrant right. cocktail and like all the cocktails. Like were the themed. Fifth Amendment or something. I mean, you did some stuff. Yeah. It was good. It was good. <laughs> um, anyway, birch liqueur. But also how to make cocktails. You knew, yeah, like you knew you, the flavor. You taste it and you go, this would be good with this other thing. And like I am by far like not a professional mixologist. Like I have no real training in bartending. I've done a couple classes, <clears throat> but it's like just thinking about like, here's all the stuff that you have. Like here are the basic cocktail recipes because there's like a daiquiri. And if you change lime juice to lemon juice or you change the liqueur or like you add bitters, you take away or you replace the club soda with champagne. Like that makes all like tons of different cocktails with actual names and so learning, like, what is this stuff and how does it taste together and, like, what's good with what other thing. And if you get a weird liqueur, like, birch-flavored liqueur, like, what are you going to mix that with that would, like, actually taste good and trying stuff out? I mean, that's basically what they do. And so I'm definitely not a professional at it, but I feel like I've got a moderate level of skill where a bunch of people drank that cocktail and liked it. Yeah, and the comforting thing is that even professional mixologists have to really try it, right? You can't assume no sometimes they try stuff and they're like that was terrible and i'm on the way opposite end of the spectrum where i'm like oh this should work (laughs) half and half and it (laughs) it's a disaster (laughs) like you can't just squirt a freaking lime juice into a vodka and expect it to taste good it's not a cocktail that's crap (laughs) so there's real skill and i really appreciate the the skill that goes into making cocktails as with everything else right you got to Respect the expertise of people who do stuff, whether it's cocktails or anything, drywall hanging mm-hmm. or making asphalt. If you do Pe- something as a profession, people really know good their in. stuff, and it takes a lot of work that you don't see, right? You just see, like, the, oh, this is a lemon Manhattan and it tastes delicious. Obviously. No, it's not obvious. And it, yeah. Someone had to make that thing. That's like the bullshit that you see with people who go, like, oh, this is an unskilled profession. Like, there was some tweet a couple months ago. <sighs> Where people were talking, you know, I think as part of the immigration debate where people were talking about like farm workers and how it's unskilled labor. Farm workers, and someone's yeah. like, you know what? Like farming is skilled labor. It takes three years to become a skilled farm worker. And we know that because of like records from slaveholders <laughs> where literally like if you're selling slaves, you know that it takes them three years the to value learn how to be skilled. super increased after three years. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like you can tell. And like how terrible is that? But also like as terrible as that legacy is, like we know that it's a skilled profession because you can't just take a slave who hasn't been trained in it and have them do a good job. Like it takes three years for them to train to be and good at a job. Some dumbass pundit or opinion op ed writer can't <coughs> couldn't ever do actually anything that they're opining about. No, like you Damn it. Like Bartending can, is really hard, by the way, just as an aside. That's right. If you just like you have never done it before. If you've watched an episode of Bar Rescue, you know that this is true. Super hard. But like, if you've never picked fruits or vegetables before, where you're paid like per bushel or whatever, you have no idea what it takes. Like, you don't just walk into an apple orchard and yank apples off a tree and make a living at that. Jeez, like, no way. It, but it's like people who have no idea, right? They've never even been exposed to agriculture and then they think they know. God. Anyway. Just quit being disdainful of other people's stuff because... 
it's, it's way harder than you hard. think it is. Everybody's stuff is hard. You can't do that as a job. Exactly. Just shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. Or do it. Do it for three years and, and check it. And tip yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. So uh, anyway, there you go. That's a very long story of the Queen's Park Swizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Basically a mojito with some bitters in it. Uh, Jeer Dad is drinking. Bring that can over here. Your dad jailbreak a foamy beer. Poor righteous. P O O poor righteous. P O O R. Mm-hmm. Uh Jeer Dad, as of yesterday, is on untapped. So if you're a beer drinker, <laughs> uh <laughs> we went out to the Quarry House Tavern, which is our like dive bar with a really great beer list. And I'm yeah. like, you know, you drink all these different beers and you don't remember which ones you like, you should be on Untapped, which is an app slash website for beer. And Jeer Dad's like, oh, it's such a pain in the ass. So I signed him up. So I actually fill out untapped for Jeer Dad. <laughs> like I made him an account and I've got the app on my phone. And I'm like, oh, what do you think about this? How do you I'm, rate this? Do I'm you so lucky. Of course, I also feel guilty because I'm not doing it myself. But Oh, my yes, God. I think this is lucky. so fun, though. I love it. Yeah, that's great. But that, like, it's so like I should just be doing it myself. You're doing all my work again. You're doing all the emotional work for me again. I love it, though. I'm fun. I like have a good time with it, and I'm good at it, and I don't have to drink the beer. So it's like a win-win-win. I guess we're sharing the work. So if you want to be friends with GR Dad on Untapped, if you're on Untapped, (laughs) he's uh, Ingo13, I-N-G-O-1-3. You can friend him. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, there I think there are three beers in your profile. (sighs) Because we haven't filled it out. But this new one is there. And I think it got... I'm drinking as fast as I can. <laughs> take your time. Take your time. So uh, you can join him there. All right. All right. All right. Hey, all right. And, and untapped if you need some, you know, sponsors. Yeah. Speaking of which, we got our new rug from Ruggable. Uh, <laughs> they're not paying us. No, they're not paying us. Though... So it's interesting. So I've been seeing the Ruggable ads. So... I keep getting like cheap rugs from Amazon because frankly, Vink keeps peeing on them. She's housebroken. It's, it, we haven't done DNA testing. <laughs> I mean, in her defense. It's 100% Vink. <laughs> of course it's Vink. It's Vink. You know why? Because she's too dumb to go outside. And she just like, you know, I think she, the problem is that like sometimes, <laughs> it's rare, but sometimes we leave them alone for like eight hours, which a normal dog who's housebroken can but handle. But it's been like four sometimes Sometimes too. it is it's less. It's very convenient. Sometimes. But it's like I come home. Like, oh, it's lunchtime. I'm home. I let everybody out. And Vink's like, I don't need to pee. And I'm like, (laughs) you should really pee, Vink. My paws shouldn't touch the grass. That's actually what it is, exactly. I don't like the grass on my paws. Me, me, it's wet out there. (sighs) And so then she won't pee. And so then I leave for like four, six hours. eight hours, yeah. Yeah, and then she pees on the rug. We've lost many rugs this way. Is she guilty? No, Vink lives her best life. I love the Vink attitude sure. but it also is hard on the rugs oh my god if you catch it right when it happens <sighs> you can kind of put a towel on it stand on that towel soak a lot of it out and then use the spot bot to like get the pee out if you, you get it right away enzymatic cleaner <laughs> yeah yes. and then nature's miracle enzymatic cleaner but you have to do it like while the pee is still warm <laughs> like that's how fast and, you have and to if catch you were it. there then then she wouldn't pee on the rug and we've yeah. caught it a few times like that, but <sighs> mostly, like, once it's soaked in there and had some time... It's totally bank. It doesn't matter what you do. It's going to smell like pee. And I'm, like, very sensitive to the smell. I can really smell it. And so I've been buying these, like, $100 8x10 rugs, which is very cheap for an 8x10 rug. 
uh, just to kind of, because I was like, I know she's going to pee on it again. <laughs> she's going to. She does, so, and she doesn't go upstairs. Oh. She doesn't go in the basement. She just like, she just flops. Yeah. So I've been seeing these ads on Instagram for Ruggable, which is a washable rug. And so it's two parts. There's like a Velcro-y sort of pad. It's like a no-slip pad, but even better. Yeah, yeah. It's very much no-slip, and it, and it has like a Velcro-y grip on it. And then there's a top layer that's like what you see as the rug. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a bottom and a top. And the top layer is really thin. It's sort of like a thin blanket. So it looks fine, like a, towel, a rug. Like a towel. Kind of like a towel. Um, and so it's machine washable. So we have an 8 by 10 rug. <coughs> and uh, the top part, like the colored part, the the pad is just like black. And it's sort of rubberized and Velcro-y. And then the part that goes on the top is really thin. And it is a proper rug. It looks like a rug. It's yeah. It's very low. It's not like a thick pile but you can put it in the washing machine so if you have a i think they said a 3.3 cubic foot kind of like a big at-home washing machine which is what we have no it fits in there sort of on the same setting you would use for a comforter and i had been looking at it they're like 400 bucks i've been spending like 100 120 bucks and i was like you know what if i can wash it three times it's gonna be worth it and so i got it yeah vink um it's beautiful like we got this kind of coastal stripe and uh and i posted it on friday and it is by far the best interaction that ruggable has ever gotten on social media <laughs> <laughs> which uh, beyond like why are you sending me these ads <laughs> yeah so uh we may be setting up a partnership with ruggable which would be great i mean i i ha we have not washed the rug yet it has not been peed on thankfully no it's been stomped upon with dirty feet yeah, we will have to wash it this week, I think. That's always like the springtime challenge of the dogs is that it's kind of damp outside and they come in and have muddy footprints. But mm. uh, it's really beautiful. It looks nice. It's flat. It's flat. Like you don't go, oh, this is like some weird like blanket on the floor. Like it looks... <laughs> looks like a great rug, yeah. Looks like a great rug. Like I really like the color. Mm -hmm. So we may be partnering with them because so far I'm really pleased. So as long as it washes fine, yeah. we have found a big win. We'll keep your own post. Yeah, all right. So there's a bunch of dog updates is next. Maggie, do it. Maggie is doing okay. She is <sighs> tired. She's really tired. Um, she has two tumors that we found in the uh, ultrasound that we did a couple weeks ago, which we talked about. We haven't been back to the vent since then. No. But there's one. You want to come up, Riley? Come on, yeah, baby. my boyfriend. No, no, no. You don't go away, dear dad. Come back. Oh, he'll well, lay on me. Maybe give some space. Come back. Okay. Oh, um, Riley does doing the snuggle thing, which is pretty good. Riley just jumped up on the couch and put his head on my lap. Big skill, Riley. Yeah, he's very snuggly. Too bad you don't have your eye appointment until April 30th. I know. We got to keep you for a while, baby. Oh, well. There we go. Um. So, yeah, we haven't been back to the vet with Maggie. I don't think we're going to, but she had two tumors that they found that weren't there at the end of January. One is on her aggressive, heart. Aggressive, right? Aggressive. Yeah, I mean, they weren't there a month ago. Yeah. Right? So in a month, they were, they went from non-detectable to big. Yeah. <coughs> there's one on her heart, and then there's one in her right leg that's kind of wrapping around the iliac vessel, which is like the big blood vessel that goes into the leg. Um. 
and I think they said it's five centimeters long, so about two inches long, uh, wasn't there a month ago, right? So this is how fast growing these tumors are, where it went from like literally they didn't see it when they did that ultrasound to now it's like two inches long. Um, and you can tell now that she's weaker on that right leg. Like she, she, she goes down the stairs, she does left leg first and then right leg onto the same step where before she'd just go down the stairs like normal. Yeah, she's a lot less steady getting up too. She has a really hard time getting up. Like you can see she basically stands up on her left leg, doesn't really use the right leg. She has a harder time going up and down the stairs. She has a hard time laying down sometimes. Like we watched her today and she's sort of like hesitating when she lays down. So she's not, she doesn't seem painful, but she seems to be like weak in that leg. I think we're talking weeks with her. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't be worse than, or more melodramatic than a tumor around the heart. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the good thing is that she seems pretty fine. She's, I mean, she's definitely more tired than she was. She's sleeping a lot more. She doesn't know her diagnosis. She's a doc. Yeah, and she doesn't seem like she's in pain. Blissfully <laughs> living in the moment. Yeah, we've had dogs who have been in pain. Yep. And waited too long to put them down, and she's not. She's just like, oh, I have to stand up with my other leg right now. It's fine. Yep, she's fine. Yep. Um, I mean, the most important thing to me at this point is that she doesn't suffer. Yep. And if that means we put her down maybe a few days earlier, like, that's fine. I don't want her to have any suffering. But she's not right now, so nope. that's good. She had a whole waffle today. <laughs> yeah, today I... Uh, I was like, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've done waffles, and so we have a five-piece waffle maker. <laughs> and I have just been making a five-piece waffle and then, like, using a knife and cutting it into six pieces. And instead, I was like, everybody gets one of the five pieces except Shmeek, and she gets her whole uh, Well, the waffle. math is a lot easier that way. It is. That's exactly math. what I would have done. I'm like, I can't deal with six <laughs> dogs, five pieces. You just have a whole piece. It's fine. It's Maggie fine. gets a whole one. There's five dogs left, and then you just get one perfect piece. Perfect math. Yep. Perfect. Um, so she's doing okay. Yeah. Everybody else is fine. Uh, Hops ran five miles with me today. Good job, Hops. She's regretting it right now. Oh, my gosh. She's just been, as soon as we get home, she was like, and I'm dead. She's so whiny. Dead. I'm dead. (laughs) Um, I took Riley for a run today. He did 1.25 miles. Everyone went for a walk. He did okay. Uh, He's learning how to walk. Springtime in D.C., everyone's going for walks. Yeah, dear dad came upstairs after, so I had done five miles with hops and then like a mile and a quarter with Riley. And I was like, okay, it's time. Everybody else just gets a walk. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Do you want to come? And he's like, sure. So he took queso and I'm like, just so you know, queso runs for the first part of her walk. And he's like, whatever. And then he got to witness galloping queso on the walk. Holy maybe for cow. the first time. It's like... Usain Bolt speed. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She her little just, ears flapping she in just, the wind. Full out, flat out sprints. I mean, you have to run hard to keep up with she's her. She's vertical. Yeah, this is not a jog. This is a full out sprint. She's yep. a serious. I mean, given it's a little bit downhill, but I don't think she cares. I think it's just like joyous. It's yep. very amazing. Yeah, she can manage like a block, maybe a block and a half. I mean, she's run. faster than any of the other dogs except Hops. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so that was fun because I I see that when I take her for her little walks but your dad has never seen it before so i'm like oh she's gonna run she did yep she's crazy also uh, sturdy for, for so her sturdy. giantness yeah so i think other than those updates everybody's doing good yeah no 
real updates. Riley remains quite. He's so snuggly and nice. Quite part of the family. Oh, my boyfriend. <laughs> He's such a good boyfriend. Yeah, well, too bad. We have to like keep him, keep him until, until the end of April. At least the end of April now for his eye. Yeah, I've got to, uh, I haven't emailed the rescue yet. They emailed me on Friday. I wonder if any of them listen to the podcast because they emailed like, hope he has a good time at the vet on Tuesday. <laughs> um, no. <coughs> What's going on with dog science? Dog science is next Thursday. That's cool. Maggie, Jasmine, Hops, and Van Gogh going in together now at 11 a.m. Uh, my number one to do for Monday morning, we're recording this on Sunday. Yeah. The Monday morning number one to do is to get Hops and Venk into the Morris Animal Foundation appointment, <sighs> which I am like three months late on. I'm so embarrassed. They may be kicked out of the study. They oh, may, my God. They may be disqualified as Goldens. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to get that done. All right. Got a, I've got a list of people to call on Monday morning. So. <laughs> All right. Fine, <sighs> it's fine, fine. fine. Okay, okay. Uh, so there's the dog updates. Yep, they're all doing fine, as usual, as predicted, as... No, no surprises. Nope, everything's good. Yeah, well, no, not good, but surprises. No surprises. Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. As good as possible. Yep. Given the circumstances. Yep. So we got an email this week from someone who had seen one of my posts and was asking about, what does it mean to be a bonded pair as a dog? Which I thought would be an interesting thing to talk oh, about. Oh, as an ion, it's pretty easy. Yes, I posted a picture of uh, <laughs> Jasmine sleeping on top of Maggie. Oh, well, that is clear. And I called it bonded pair, and people were like, is it an ionic bond? No, it's covalent. <laughs> That's good. That's what they were asking. Uh, There's a lot of those jokes in the comments. There's so jokes. <laughs> you got, I got jokes, too. I got jokes, too. So Maggie and Jasmine came as a bonded pair. Uh, but Riley had a dog sibling at Great Pyrenees who they decided, and I've never met this Great Pyrenees, but they decided they were not bonded. An unbonded pair. And so it was just a pair. No. So the Great Pyrenees went to a Great Pyrenees rescue. Our Golden Retriever rescue would have taken the Great Pyrenees. They do that a lot. Like if there's a bonded pair with a Golden and something else, they'll take the pair and adopt them out. And it, somebody always takes them. Uh, I'm, we would have taken... I don't know if they if we would have taken a pair, but if we if we were looking for a pair, we totally would have taken a Great Pyrenees and a Golden. Um, yeah. So what does it mean to be a bonded pair and not? And I think it's a little hard to judge, but you can think about it like with humans, which is you know it's more extreme. But if you have like have kids you watched in foster care up? <laughs> have you watched humans in foster care? Yeah. <coughs> Are there humans in foster care and up? There's like the dude and his wife, and the wife dies, and it's like devastating to him. They were a bonded but, pair. Yes, but they're not in foster care. No, they're like adults. No, it doesn't. It's not a yeah. great analogy. It's just a little bit of an analogy. <laughs> People who are happily married tend to be bonded pairs. There you go. Yeah. You wouldn't foster just one of them. That's true. Yeah, but you can imagine like having kids in foster care. Oh yeah. And sometimes you'll get kids into foster care. And you really want, you know, if you've got like two Wait, brothers. they use this for humans too? I think Get so. Get out of here. I mean, some, I don't know that they Step call them. back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I have no experience fostering humans. Fair enough. But Nor I. I do know that sometimes they will have siblings and they get, they go to the same home and sometimes they split them up. Oof. And <sighs> I know, but you think about it, like there's plenty wow. of siblings who are not bonded 
Do your parents listen to this podcast? No. Would you call yourself bonded to your brother at this not, point? Not anymore. Not anymore. I probably was at the time. No, sure, as kids, right? But like now. Oh man. No, now I'm a hundred years old. Like I'm not bonded to anyone <laughs> except you. Hi, Vivi. And and the girls. <laughs> you got a lot of bonds. And Riley a little bit now. Yes, hi Riley. <laughs> He's Riley's like. So I'm expanding my bonds, backwards. but still. <laughs> I know. Uh, but what? I, I, yes. I, right, yes. but there's lots of people who even, like, as adults are, like, really closely bonded to their siblings. And I would say you're not. Yeah, yeah. But they did split up kids for foster, right? I mean, it happens. Yeah, and, like, All sometimes time. it's really traumatic to the kids and sometimes it's, like, meh. <laughs> right? And, and like, age can, difference can do that. Right. Right? So if you have, like, a 13-year-old and a 1-year-old, maybe not super bonded, human or dog, right? Like, we... When I was a kid, Goldie was our first dog, and she was a year older than me. And I think when she was 10, she had hemangiosarcoma. She had cancer like Maggie does. Mm -hmm. um, and I think my parents did the surgery on her, thinking it would help. And from what I think my mom says, it didn't really help all that much. Like, they did the surgery, and then she died like a month or two later. Like, it didn't really help. <laughs> but when she was... Up there, I think after she got diagnosed with that, my parents got Max, our one non-gold in our black lab. They were not bonded. Oh. She's like, I don't really want much to do this. <laughs> and, and I think Max was like, ooh, ooh, another dog. Like, this will be fun. And she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> they weren't very bonded. Um, You know, and that's like they didn't have a ton of time together. Right? But sometimes oh. there's dogs and it's just like you have them and they're perfectly polite to each other. But they're not like BFFs. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think bonded pair is another way of saying sort of they'd be, they could have been brother and sister. Or they could have been siblings. Like they kind of treat each other like It's kind like of siblings. the relationship that siblings have. I mean, yeah. Schmieg and Jasmine are kind of like siblings. They're, For sure. They hang out together. They're, you know, they tolerate each other. They're not like, they don't get ticked when one of them steps on each other. They're just like super comfortable together when one of them's not around the other one look kind of looks for them that's bonded yeah like schmieg yeah. <laughs> i mean schmieg's a very friendly dog mm -hmm. she puts up with anything from our all of our dogs but like when buttercup comes over yeah if she steps on schmieg schmieg gets pissed yeah and like makes a little pissed off sound we'll or not, whatever we'll not have it yeah yeah i mean they don't fight or anything uh hops and vink i think are so if we if we died and no one wanted all of our dogs. Right. And you had to break them up. Um, you know, I think Maggie and Jasmine love everybody else, but I think you'd put them together and you'd put Hops and Vink together. Yeah. They'd miss it. They would feel a void if they were. If you were to together. separate yeah. either of those pairs, yep. there would be psychological consequences. Right. If you separate Maggie and Jasmine from Hops and Vink, <laughs> I think Queso's walking around. Jared Dad's getting up. Lisa I think just came inside. She was outside for an oh, hour. Oh, is the door open? Yeah. Oh. She's been out for like 20 minutes. Hi, Queso. I bet she was just sitting on the porch. She tends to do that. But yeah, I mean, I think if you had, if you took Hop and Vink away from Maggie and Jasmine, like they'd sort of notice, but they wouldn't really mourn it. And uh, if you separated Hops from Vink, or Maggie from Jasmine, it'd be really traumatic.
Yeah, so that's the core idea of a bonded pair. Yep. It's kind of you know it when you see it. Yep. But there's no scientific definition that you have to fulfill all the criteria. Yeah, so I'd say Maggie and Jasmine, Hopper and Venkman. <coughs> Queso could probably be independent, though. If I was, like, making a will, I would say that she should stay with Vink. Yeah, well, you and I are bonded pair. And you and me, for sure. Fair enough. I mean, this is, like, per certificate now, too, so... That's Maybe true. there is a definition with humans. I don't know. There's a lot of married people who don't love each other as much as we love each that's other. That's true. Yeah, that's true. They're bonded. Maybe they shouldn't be. Yep. They're legally bonded, but not like emotionally <laughs> you can't bonded. Adopt them individually. Though. No. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So for uh, Taste of the Keys this week, there's a few there's things. Some good stuff. There's oh some good gosh. stuff. So there was an Illinois, an Illinois driver. Who hit a dude on his Vespa. It wasn't a Vespa brand, but it hit a dude on his scooter. <laughs> the scooters are like Bermuda. I mean, there's a lot of scooters. You can rent For these sure. little scooters yeah. with probably minimal licensing requirements. You can rent these scooters in Key West and they put around. And ah, drunk people driving they're around neither, scooters. neither bikes nor cars and they're sort of the worst of both. And it's, you know, it's, it's chaotic, which is Key West. Mm-hmm. I think this was actually on Key Largo that the strike, striking of the Vespa driver happened, but someone from Illinois is in jail <laughs> for hitting the dude on the Vespa. Don't hit guys on Vespas, yeah. Or women. Mm-hmm. Of course. There's a woman in Marathon who live-streamed her suicide. Oh, God, really? Sad. Yeah, it was really sad. For Pete's sake. Yeah. This is, but I have a good one. I have a good one. I have a good one. We there is a lighthearted one. Yeah, Go ahead. This is dad. a good crazy one. This might be a Florida man one, but this is like a Keys huh. one because it's on the Keys. So someone checks into a Key Largo resort, <laughs> and uh, well, these two women tourists, un- unnamed nationality, check into a Key West resort, and they park their car, their rental car, out front. Yep. And it gets towed. Yep. And they're like. Wait, this was legal parking. We like checked all the signs. It's fully legal. Yep. So they so they go to the resort receptionist, and they're like, "This guy says he towed our truck, our car, and he wants money to like four hundred so bucks, four hundred bucks to get our car out." But we paid. <coughs> we were it was a legal spot, and so the resort guy's like, "Oh, he's a guest here." He has this tow truck that he built out of his pickup it's truck. It's like a pickup truck converted to a tow truck. Tow truck. And, uh, but that was legal parking. Yeah. We, and, yeah. like, he's just a random guest with he's a tow truck. He's just a guest with a tow truck. And, uh, and so the receptionist calls the tow truck guy in and says, You can't, what the, f- what happened there? And the guy's like, Oh, I'm a legal, legitimate, you know, uh, I have a permit and I'm allowed. And then they call the police, mm-hmm. which is a good move. Yep. The there police are times come. you shouldn't call the cops. This is totally This is not one, one of those them. times. Totally call the cops. And the cops say, return these women's car. And the guy returns them and he says... Oh, wait. The, the guy to, says, you... I have a contract with the resort. And the resort's like, fuck no. <laughs> fuck no. We don't know who this dude is. No, this gets better because... And then he returns the car. This article's written sort of... I'm not sure it's chronological, but it's sequential. Yeah. And... He returns the car and he and then he says, "But you just owe me four hundred dollars for the towing fee." Yeah, it's fine, but not but for the towing fee. And they're like, "No," 
And no, and the police are like, no, you don't have to pay this. It turns out this guy had like put out no parking signs in front of that the resort. He brought too. with him. He brought to the <laughs> resort his tow truck and no parking signs that he just randomly put up. He had no contract with anybody. No. He just made it up. And then he's towing cars. So and then like, he's and then he's telling the police, I have a, a tow truck permit license. Whatever that is. Look, it's it's I I display it in my windshield and the cops are like this is not real. This is a, for a made-up company, and it's not real. No. And so he currently resides in jail. But it's like the weirdest scam operation. It's Grand Theft Auto that he got charged with. Totally. At but least. he had a tow truck, and he's just, like, towing random people's cars and then being like, no, no, they were in an illegal spot, and I have a contract for the property. Because there's – wait, because there's a, a no-parking zone here because I put up the sign – Myself yep. for no good reason. No agreement with oh, the property. So terrible. Like I so hear, ballsy. I put up a no parking sign. Now you're in a no parking. Now I'm going <laughs> to tow you. <laughs> now I'm going to charge you for recovering your car. <laughs> it's such a circular scam. And it reading. would be it would be really clever in some ways if you weren't in the same resort as a guest <laughs> as the people you're towing. I mean, there's where a lot of it breaks down. When we were talking about it this morning, oh. I'm like, this can't be the first time he's pulled this scam. No, but then you can't be in the freaking resort. Stay in the motel across town or yeah. something. <laughs> Come on, doof. Yeah. So he, luckily, the final line of this report is he currently resides in the Key Largo jail. And that's <laughs> probably a good place for him because he sounds like a bad guy. Yeah. That's a good story, but I thought you were going to... Dude, the story about the races. No, I'm very excited about this. The races are great, too, but this is, like, so human nature level weird stuff. It's good. Yeah, you can talk about the races. Yeah, my mom listens to this podcast. <laughs> this is still okay, I think. This is still okay. I'm just reporting the news, Mom. It's, yeah, it's the keys, man. <laughs> so in Key West, they the annual vibrator races are happening. <laughs> And it is what you think it is. We looked up a video of this because we couldn't quite... We're like, is it somebody like pretending to ride one down the street? <laughs> like, what's going on? Is it a different kind of vibrator? No. No, no. It's, no. it's the sex one. Because uh, <laughs> so it's, it's Key It's very... Key West. Key West. Key West is very positive and inclusive and tolerant. Big drag scene. I think this happens at one of the drag bars. Yep. So it's kind of like a piece of plywood like a big sheet of plywood <coughs> with uh it's like, like a box with lanes yeah yeah so it's you imagine taking a big sheet of plywood and having it angled down a little bit and then taking some like little pieces of wood and nailing them on there so you've got lanes from the top towards the bottom as it's angled down mm -hmm. and so there's four or five lanes and then people bring random vibrators <laughs> there's like a little like barrier kind of like in a horse race like the thing that keeps the horses the horses are behind the barrier there's a kind of thing like that and people turn the vibrators on and they put them in the lane and they're all like shaking around let them shake themselves there's a little there's a little barrier in front and then they release the hounds. And then they lift it up, <laughs> and then the vibrators start vibrating their way downhill towards the finish line. And, like, some of them are very solid, and they just kind of shake their way down, and some are rubbery, <laughs> and they squishy. look like snakes. <laughs> They're more squishy. 
If you just Google Key West vibrator races uh, on YouTube, you can find it's pictures very of this. Funny and random and like just random. I had no idea what this actually. I mean, I had seen on Conch Life for the last couple of years that this was a thing. <laughs> I had never looked it up. And Jared Dad was like, yeah. What is it? I was some, like, I don't. Some state fairs have like. <laughs> pig races or something right where they have little pigs like that they race this is a whole the key west version it of is it is yeah. so uh it's on it's on youtube <laughs> and, and uh, then one of them just hilarious jiggles and wiggles and squirms its way down the track the fastest yeah then they have heats and loser brackets and everything yes that's right so uh i don't know if it's live streamed but you can all you need to see is one heat, and you really get the full idea of what it's like. So that's apparently happening this week. I'm guessing you bet on these things. I, uh, you must. I don't know. Yeah. Well, also, the Kauke Bridge run was last week, which is very Key West. So the Kauke Bridge is 50 yards long. There's a classic song about it, actually. Living, Living underneath the Kauke Bridge. Bridge. I've got no TV. I've got no fridge. I'm living, living underneath, underneath the Kauke Bridge. Bridge. Da, da, da. I mean, classic for us, too. It's not actually just <laughs> classic. It's not so classic. By, that song, Kauke uh, Bridge, <laughs> is by this guy named Island Alex. <laughs> I have his album. I think I had a few too you many are, drinks. You're the, you're the woman who has his album. I, I'm like the one person. Yeah, I had a few one. drinks, his, and I was like, I'm buying the album. His mom, his dad, and you. And me. Uh, so the Kauke Bridge, the Kauke uh, Channel is the channel between Stock Island and Key West. 50 yards. And the Kauke Bridge is like the bridge that you go over to get into Key West from the rest of the Keys. So it's the last bridge in the Keys. To get into Key West, the Kauke Bridge. Calling it a bridge is like, it's not the Veranzano <laughs> Narrows. It's, it's not a very the, small bridge. It's a small bridge. Small bridge. Yeah, 50 yards long. So they have a Kauke Bridge race. <laughs> it's a 50-yard race. Is it really just a sprint of doofuses? <laughs> I think you walk. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like... Does it involve alcohol? Oh, everything might, right? in Key West does. That would be awesome. It's not enough time to drink your margarita. Yeah, no, no. You couldn't finish a drink at the time it would take to walk across no. the Kauke Bridge. Um, but I was, <laughs> the conch life was like traffic advisory, the Kauke Bridge classic. Classic. It, it makes good. it sound like this big race, and it's just like the anti-running race. It's yeah. 50 yards run across the bridge. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a seven-mile bridge run. The seven mile bridge is not surprisingly seven miles long. <laughs> so there's the seven mile bridge run, which is, uh, I think it was also maybe also this weekend, April 7th. Is Why that not? this weekend? Shut it all down. Shut it all down. It that's is a, like yeah. mile marker 50. That's today, April 7th. Yeah, that's right. It would have been today. I had it on my calendar, like maybe we should go for that. We didn't. <sighs> um, but yeah, we couldn't, we didn't register in time. <laughs> that that I think was this weekend. That's a seven mile race, um, and then I guess as a counterpoint, Kauke Bridge, <laughs> the Kauke Bridge right? saunter. Yeah, for sure. I was having dreams last week about starting like, oh, we should have a second podcast. I don't even know if it was dreams. It was like some night when I couldn't fall asleep, and I was like half asleep. Like, oh, we should have another podcast. We could do like a weird news podcast. We could do a Florida Man podcast. We could do a yeah. Florida Keys podcast. I'm like, yeah. we kind of have that already. Well, it's a bit here. Yeah, it's a bit. If anyone would like a weird news podcast hosted by your mom and Jared Dad, let us know. And we'll, we'll give let, you a call. 
We'll start podcast number two. No, we'll just call you every Sunday night and be like, hey, what's up? We'll talk to you. <laughs> That'd be funny. Like we can set up a robo caller that's like, this is Jen, your mom, joined by your dad, about to read you some weird news. What do you mean robo caller? We just dial people's numbers randomly and be like, hey, here's some things about Florida news you want to know. You underestimate our popularity. They can ha- No, they can hang up. It's fine. It's allowed. No, no. I'm not. It's not the hanging up. It's that... Far too many people are going to want our Oh, the other way. You mean the other way? We're very popular. Oh. Well, that's a different problem. We get like 6,000 downloads per episode. Well, hi. Hi, (laughs) 6,000 people. 5,999 plus my mom. (laughs) And not my mom. Yeah. (laughs) I'm confident about this. No, I don't think your parents could manage a podcast. Uh, Oof. Your dad's they parents are 10 years older than my parents. know where to splice the tape or whatever. Yeah. More than that, actually. Your parents are 80, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. My parents are in their mid-60s. My dad's 80. My mom's going to be 80 in the December. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, they wouldn't know where to, where to play the tapes. That is a question your dad would ask. The VHS. How tapes. do I get the tapes? UHS. Yeah. 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 No, it's a whole no. thing. Uh, no, there's a big difference between like. 65 and 80. Anyway, we're not randomly calling y'all. No. Or anyone down the phone book because phone book's huge. If you had a full on second podcast, let us know. (laughs) Uh, Live show, I'm still waiting for news (gasps) from the other people. (laughs) This is me hyperventilating. Yep. I'm making plans. Yes, you are. It's going to be sometime in August. Uh, Still no Uh, news on like dates of the venue though. I admire your epic. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Your positive vibes, man. It's going to be awesome. It's pretty awesome. So this week, I was, uh, I did an event, like a paid speaking event at, uh, in Austin, at Austin City Limits Live. Oh, that's so cool. James Taylor, everyone has played there. R.E.M. Bonnie Raitt, James Taylor. I had R.E.M.'s dressing room. I mean, probably back to the 60s. Willie Nelson. Epic. It's epic. amazing. Willie so. Nelson's in his heyday, probably. <laughs> there there are a bunch of dressing rooms, and they're like, this is your dressing room. And they're like, this is a dressing room where some of the other people are. Like, this is where when Willie Nelson plays here, he smokes a lot of pot, and Ugh. they have to air it out at the end. Ugh. It was like... That's cool. Such an amazing venue. I mean, I've done some high production value stuff, but this is the first one. You didn't one. even sing. You just talked. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I sang anything. It's probably okay. But yeah, I mean, I was like in the main space, theater space, with all the seats and everything on the it's big stage. On TV. I was there, Austin City Limits Live, doing my talk for the group of people who had rented out the space. I had a dressing room, like the full-on like performer's dressing room. It's very cool. I wasn't cool. in there all that much. You could have had like a green room experience with like M and M's. Yeah, there were a bunch of snacks in there. Yep. And like literally there was a mirror with a bunch of round lights around it. Oh my God. And uh, yeah. Oh, you could have taped like affirmations. I know. I know I could oh. have. I went in the bathroom like at the end. I didn't get to spend much time in there during the event, but I was getting ready to go to the airport. And so I was changing out of my like, you know, dress and heels that I use on stage just into my traveling clothes. And I went in the bathroom. There's like a shower in Whoa. there, like a nice shower, Whoa. like a full on. I went in the bathroom, it was like giant. It's like a getting ready space. Yeah. No, it's like you can show up like as if you got off a plane 
and you have a wardrobe person who had your whole wardrobe there mm -hmm. and you can like shower and change and get ready and do your hair and makeup and whatever in the dressing room and I there's a ton like of space the most i know about those <laughs> spaces is spinal tap um you know where yeah. like they have their little sandwich bits and it doesn't match and it's like a whole disaster yeah Oh. This was very nice, and it was, like, such a cool thing to be on the stage there. So, That's so cool. Uh, I do this so often. I mean, really, like, once, as GR Dad knows, once a week. I did it twice last week. Yeah. Um, I do so many of these events that, like, being on stage is not a big deal for me at this point because I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but this was the first, like, venue like that that I've got to be at. I did one at Disney World once. Um, oh, yeah, there was this huge, I, I think it was the biggest event I've done, 15,000 people, I think. Wow. Big conference, yeah. Um, and so if you have 15,000 people in a room, they can't see you if you're on the stage. And so there's cameras and, you know, jumbotrons on either side to show you. And this one was very, it was Disney, it was high production value. And so it was in HD. And so they had the people who do the makeup for the Disney princesses oh. doing the makeup for the event. And so I usually get there like an hour, an hour and a half before I go on stage. And they're like, uh, so here's our makeup person. And I would say there have maybe 10 events that I've done where there's a makeup person. Like it's rare. Usually I just do my own makeup. But like we got a makeup person. I was like, great. And she's like, what do you want? I'm like, do everything. I'm like, I want fake lashes, all the stuff. <laughs> And she's like, really? I'm like, you do whatever you want to do to make me look as good as possible for this. Oh. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so she like curls my hair. She does the fake lashes. But the main thing is that they airbrush your makeup on oh. like they do for the Disney princesses. So I got full on makeup as though I were a Disney princess. Oh, it was like compressor. Yes, yes. It was exactly <laughs> like that. Um, and, so you know, I didn't really see myself. I went back to my room after the event and I didn't even recognize myself. It was as though she changed the bone structure of my face with the way she applied this makeup. Uh, huh. It was amazing. It kind of, huh. <laughs> it was like a mask. So it kind of cracked off after a couple hours. Interesting. I mean, I looked amazing. Like all of these things that I was like, nah, I don't really like this feature. I don't like this feature. She had just like, airbrushed and sculpted into this way where I legit looked like a Disney princess. I've got a picture of it somewhere. She could do my abs. She could totally airbrush you all no, the abs that you wanted. That'd be good. That'd be good. I could do like a 12-pack. 16-pack if you yes. want. She'll make you whatever you want. 18-pack. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And so that that was like one where I was like, wow, like this is a rare experience that people get you know, to get airbrushed like a Disney princess by their makeup artist. So you want this before our live show, is what you're saying? No, it was so over the top. Like I'm I not showing our abs for our live show. Your abs are real nice, though. Probably. <laughs> and our audience, I think, is majority female. They'd like to see your abs. <sighs> They're real nice abs. <sighs> you don't have to show them. It's okay. <sighs> I mean, if that's what it takes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really um, what it takes? I don't know. Have you come to Pilates with me? Oh, for Pete's sake. So I started doing Pilates like two weeks ago. That is butt hard. It has like been a really transformative experience for huh. me. Transformative. Funny. Like I... Was can... it reformative? 
I'm hilarious. <laughs> funny I'm joke. freaking hilarious. It's been great. I have a friend who's like a Pilates instructor. I mean, she's also an architect, but on the side, she does Pilates instruction. And I was like, you know, like, it'd be great. I need to get more core strength. All the stuff I've been doing at home, like, isn't doing a great job. Let me just try it. And I went to a, like, intro class. And I was like, okay, like, I'll try this. Like, maybe I can make myself go twice a week. And then I found myself just, like, wanting to go every day. And, like, my core feels so much stronger. Like, all this stuff feels so much better. Um, so I'm really impressed with it. And I was like, dear dad, you have to come, like, try a Pilates class. And he's like, nah. And I'm like, you will come. <laughs> like shut up you're coming so we went today <laughs> it was good and it was just the two of us like in the intro class usually there's a bunch of people in them but for some reason there wasn't today so we had kind of like a private class yeah, it was, it was cool. a lot of pulleys and like but it's a lot Springs? of stability yeah. and working your moving your body in ways that you don't normally i guess is really a part yeah of it. it's great i mean it's all like making your core stronger and making all of your parts kind of aligned so you're not no. favoring one side over the other or like leaning one way or the other or whatever. It's great. It's interesting. It's made my it's running worth, better. Worth doing. I think professional athletes do it and I see why. Yeah. I, I'm very impressed with it. And it's not, I mean, I got no problem with yoga, but I can't get like deep into yoga, especially like the spiritual part of it, just like not who I am. But this doesn't have any of that. It's just like you're going to lay on this thing and you're going to move your parts this way and you're going to strengthen your core. It's kind of like like yoga with a bow flex or something. And, yeah. and no spiritual part. That's correct. Yeah. No um. No, no, no. There's none of that. Uh, Actually, it's a little bit like she's like, go faster today. Yeah. Go faster. Speed up a little bit. Yep. Go yep. faster. It's more like physical therapy. Yeah. Which is what it originally was. It's yeah. great. Um, yeah. So if you... You know, now it's April, so if you are doing Pilates regularly until August, you may have that 18-pack by August. Yeah, 18, 24, whatever it takes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you got German Word of the Week for us? Oh, I don't know. <coughs> you got pause that I can't think of anything. <clears throat> You should do Zutschmiegen. Oh, well, yeah. This is a word that I didn't really think about before. unless because You just lied. You hid it from me. No, you lied we, to we me about it. We came to Schmieg for Maggie, right? Schmieg? Like It wasn't like, oh, it's, it's a German word. It was just like No, it's Schmieg. like Maggie, and then it was Meagles, and then it was Schmiegel, and then it, it was, was Schmieg. Schmieg, but I never really thought about it. But yes, there is a German word called Anschmiegen. Schmiegsam. There's a words that are like... That are like snuggling in with something. Unschmiegen is to snuggle in with something. Schmiegsam is something that's like bendable and flexible and is easier to snug in with. Yeah. So schmieg is, you know, it's like a German verb that means to like be... Snuggly. Be snuggly and to snuggle in and to be, yeah. So So yeah. all this time I was calling schmieg. and schmieg and, yeah. I was calling her snuggly. Yeah, schmieg. And you didn't tell me. I didn't think of it as a German word because it's unschmieg and unschmiegsam. <laughs> not schmieg itself. Schmieg is not like the, the <coughs> you know... Yeah, infinitive of it. Schmieg. Schmieg. But it does totally works on Schmieg and she does snuggle in. She's yeah. exactly that. Schmieg yeah. is 
and Schmiegsam is also very Schmiegsam. like pliable and like flexible and it's a nice word. She's so Schmiegsam. Yeah, she's the best. To the best. Some people's apps are now, you know, like I on Tuesdays I always post a picture of queso mm. and I just caption it queso. <laughs> and then everybody's apps translated Instagram. As, Instagram t- translates. You can there's a button you push Somebody had to tell me this. You push the button that says translate, and it's always cheese exclamation mark. It's yep. so funny. Uh, but lots of people's apps are translating schmieg now, but they're translating it different. Sometimes it says thoughts, <laughs> which I don't... Wait, what? Now, no. I don't know what... I mean, it's not necessarily German. No, thoughts is Gedanken. Yeah, I know, but in some language... It apparently means thoughts. No. That people are getting all kinds of different translations. Well, it doesn't always funny. work, I guess. Yeah. Queso works real well. Queso! Queso works real well. Schmiegen is a different thing. So there you go. Unschmiegen, yeah. Schmiegsam. Schmiegsam. Schmiegsam basically means schmiegly. <laughs> it's so similar. Yes, yeah. it's schmiegly. You're I'll, so schmiegly. I'll grant you that, yes. Yeah. Schmiegly is now defined by schmiegsam. So use unschmiegen in a sentence. Because it's reflexive, right? Ah, ich schmiege mich gern an meine Freundin an. Or ich schmiege mich gern an meine Freundin an. I like to snug it with my friends. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds mm-hmm. dirty. It's not. It's not. Actually, it's very clean. <laughs> it's very, like, PG-rated. This is the interesting thing about German verbs that start with Sch- on, like anschmiegen. Schmiege meine Wange gerne an sie. Oder it's a very kind of old-fashioned, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's hard to hear Gerdad say it. But you separate, so if the verb is anschmiegen, you separate the on from the schmieg, and then the on goes at the end of the sentence. So you could say, I don't know if this actually makes sense, but you could say, ich schmiege dich an, mm-hmm. ich, which means I, schmiege. So anschmiegen is the verb, but you would get rid of the on and just say schmiege, ich schmiege dich, which means you, and then on, that's the on from the anschmiegen stuck at the end. Ich schmiege dich on, which is sort of like I snuggle you. or It's I like a reflexive you. argument in English where it's like... Like touch myself. Yeah, you have to put the myself at the end, right? Yeah, right? the like, on is the yeah. reflexive part. I starve myself. Like, it's, yeah. it's like you have to have a myself in there, right? <coughs> yeah, the on kind of gives you the self. So if, mm-hmm. if I say ich schmiege dich on, it's like I snuggle, snuggle yourself. Onto you. Sort of. I yeah. snuggle onto you. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if you've got a... I think that's pretty universal if you've got a german verb that starts with like on or auf Mm -hmm. uh you separate that from the verb and it goes at the end of the sentence an actual like declination yep yep yep. um not as complicated as it sounds no but just that means the verb becomes schmiege or schmieg schmiegen like schmieg mich on would be like the yeah yeah yeah. uh is it declarative the uh, oh um, I don't know the I'm, imperative imperative yeah schmieg mich on which yep. would be snuggle me snuggle on me schmieg yep. mich on if you know Latin German's real close yeah grammatically yeah if you don't know Latin you're gonna learn a lot of rules for German and then it follows a lot of the rules like in English it the the answer is usually yeah you just have to know in German the the answer is usually it's the rule. <laughs> you just got to follow the rule. It's so okay. So many things in German life. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. I know. It's it's very stereotypical, but that is the German language is not terribly easy, but there are rules that actually surprisingly apply across the yeah. the words. So, if you've on Schmiegen, the en 
at the end, like Shmigen mm-hmm. on Shmigen. Like that's just the infinitive part. That's Correct. sort of like to touch. It's like the two mm-hmm. part. To snuggle. <coughs> so the en always changes depending on if it's like you do it or I do it or if it's the We imperative. do it, yeah. <clears throat> so Shmig would be the core of it. <laughs> and so if it's on Shmigen, get rid of the en at the end. So on Shmig. But then if it starts with on or alf, like that on or alf goes at the end of the sentence. And so the real core becomes like schmieg or... Um, ich schmiege mich an. Or like ansehen is another one. Mm-hmm. Right? Ich, ich sehe dich an. Mm-hmm. Ich sehe dich an. And so seh, like seh dich an. Mm-hmm. It's a weird imperative, but you could say that. But the infinitive is ansehen, which is totally not yeah. the way it works. So it's got the en at the end and the an at the beginning. And the an at the beginning gets separated. The en changes. And so schmieg is the core of an schmieg. If the verb we're looking at... And it would yeah. be like you don't use the Obviously. at in the you know use different. that's right that's exactly what yeah. it is it's like at yeah yeah or two mm-hmm. like if it's got an alf totally totally yeah snuggling with mm-hmm. all right there's a big long german <laughs> it's way excursive lesson. but don't be afraid to learn german it's actually pretty cool i i think a lot of people appreciate the German lesson, like a lot of people who have taken like, oh, yeah. you know, a year of like high school German and like no one ever explained this to them, right? Like they really like the German stuff that we do because they're like, oh, like now that thing makes sense. So. And then there are a bunch of Germans who are like, duh, um, we know this. And they're like, actually never, explain that the wrong way. We've never broken it down because you just know, you have to know. <laughs> like, of course, that's how it is. That's the, that is the problem with the German genders, right? Which is like, Ugh. you just have to know if it's male, female, or neutral. You just have to know. It's one of those things where it's like, that's if you're tough. a native speaker, it sounds right or it sounds wrong, but yeah. there's no rule. That's a tough thing to tell someone who's learning. Yeah, it's very hard. You just have and to know if table, is table masculine? I don't know. Is is girl yeah. neutral? I don't know. <laughs> and it's like in romance languages, they end in like an O or an A. Yeah. And so you could tell, like if it's hermano, yeah. you know that it's masculine. And if it's hermana or whatever, you know, if it ends in an A, it tends to be feminine. But German words don't have those endings that indicate no, gender. There, so there are some groupings. You can, you can have some n- n- like names or nouns that are grouped. Where it's more likely than not, but there's so many. <laughs> that really is a tough one with yeah. the genders. How about Machin, which is the word for girl? Uh, what is the gender of Machin? Neutral. Fucking not feminine. No. That's it. The word for girl. When she grows up and becomes a woman, it's feminine. <laughs> yeah. Die it's... Frau. Die Frau is clearly feminine. Oh my God. So you have just gender. Cause like a lot of romance languages just have masculine or feminine. They don't have a gender neutral. Yep. German has a gender neutral like English, like it. Yep. And girls are its. They're gender yep. neutral. They're not feminine. Yep, yep, yep. What the, what the fuck, man? Like, well, it's just, like, how am I supposed to learn this? Like, at least you could go, like, girl things are feminine and boy no. things are neutral. No, no, girls gender neutral. Yep, yep. Yeah, so you just got to learn it. Like, I suck at it. I cake, suck at it. Cake so. is masculine, not neutral. It makes no sense. Cake, der yeah. Kuchen, yeah. Der Kuchen. No. Yeah, I suck at it. But it's sauce is feminine. That just makes sense, right? Die Soße. Of course, sauce is feminine. It does not make sense at no, all. It, there's no logic it to it. Not. It really is just random. That is a historical thing, yeah. Yeah. That's the hard part. Yeah. But well, l- the good news is everyone will understand you and 
No one will judge you if you use the wrong gender. Yeah, especially if everybody's had a couple drinks, which is always the advice. Especially in Germany, in Germany. everybody's always had a couple drinks, and so it's okay. Especially in Germany, yes. <laughs> oh, just have a couple glasses of wine, beer, schnapps, wherever you are in the region. Uh, and everyone will be super happy that you're making an effort. Yeah. I think that's true everywhere. Like, I took Italian... Except in, in France. Paris. Oh, Sorry, God. Paris. You know what you Not are... France, Paris. You are right. I took Italian in college, yep. and I went to Rome after that. So I just had a year of Italian... But a year of college Italian is pretty intense. I went to Rome after that, and I spoke Italian to everybody, fractured Italian, and the Italians were so grateful for me speaking Italian. But yeah, I speak like, I've never really studied French, but I think I'm like inherently pretty decent at languages, and I can like communicate. Like Passable I know French, words. yeah. Yeah, totally passable French. I can order stuff in restaurants and ask basic questions and talk to cab drivers. And uh, every time I try to order une baguette in Paris... They either correct you or speak in English. They just speak English back to me. And I get that I'm pronouncing it wrong, but, like, you fucking know what I'm saying. <laughs> and you're just like, I cannot believe this American is pushing our beautiful language. I mean, it, it's hard to find the equivalent because it'd be like someone in America speaking English badly and you answering in their language, which couldn't actually work in America ever. This is a good point. You'd be like, oh, let me switch it to French and uh, I explain it to you in the French language uh, because I know it better than you know English. The Americans would just no. be like, speak English. <laughs> Louder. <laughs> uh, so it is, I mean, give them credit for knowing English very well, but but it still feels bad for an American terrible. or a German trying to speak French in, in Paris. Yeah. Can we do the joke? What's it called when you speak two, two, two languages? <laughs> I don't know. Bilingual. What's it called when you speak three languages? Trilingual? What's it called when you speak one language? American. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. That's a joke of my linguist friends. Heterosexual? I don't know where that one went. <laughs> I mean, monolingual is the answer, except the answer is really American. Oh, there we go. Americans just speak American. Anyway. We have my God, have we, this has been like an hour and ten minutes of rambly podcast. Almost apologize for the discursiveness, but there's some good nuggets in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you. This is like sanding for gold or whatever it is, panning for gold. Panning for gold. Yeah. You, get some, you get a little flake. Something in there. Promising if, little flake. Whether of you good. like the updates about the schmig or you enjoy the conch life, you know, there's something in there for everybody. Yeah. If you like dogs or Florida Keys weird stories. But it's basically. a bit of work. You know, nothing is fun without work. Yeah. Or rewarding. Someone tweeted today that like the Golden Ratio podcast is good background noise for studying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, actually, that's exactly right. Like it's some people talking and it's like pretty calm and nobody's angry. Nope. And you can kind of listen in and then like tune out and it's okay. You like, won't you're not miss anything, anything for your life. Well, you won't miss anything for your studies, which yep. may be your life. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing critical going on here. So I thought that was, I was like, I'm a little hurt, but actually that's a perfectly good description. I'm not hurt. You, don't, you really have to rewind. No, man. If it's super important, we'll repeat it next week. Don't worry. <laughs> it's one of those podcasts. I mean, I have TV shows like this, like The Curse of Oak Island is like this. <laughs> you can watch it like five times. Oh my God, don't even <laughs> say we're like The Curse of Oak Island. The Curse of Oak Island always promises <laughs> true. and never delivers. <laughs> 
They have spent like six <laughs> seasons digging on that island and they haven't found a they goddamn found like, thing. What, 10 episodes in six seasons? And they found a button. It would be less than a change jar on my oh mantle my if what they found i have found like literal cash blowing in Holy the street smokes. worth more than what they found on the night dogs have found more stuff down <laughs> at the creek than those guys have for billions hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars oh my god on this little island that they've now terraformed into i don't know what their garden i, I mean is only in that it is a show where like Holy you can play cow. it several times and not really know what happened, and it's okay because it's really good as background. Because nothing happens. Because nothing happens, which frankly is true of our oh podcast. God, as well. do they explain? No, no, they talk a lot about how nothing happened. They're a meta level of nothing happened. Can you imagine if we had like their narrator guy who asks the rhetorical questions, like <laughs> wood underground on Oak Island, the Knights Templar, a weird thing on Key West. Yeah. Schmeeg? Extra dinner? Venk derp? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be more dramatic, but... Not really. I mean, it'd be the, the actual substance would be boring. It would be like, they found a piece of wood in the ground. Wood? On Oak Island? Underground? Could it be part of the Knights Templar Ark of the Covenant? One of my, like... No, it's not. <laughs> There's no evidence of that at all, rhetorical man. One of my tabled creative projects is to take, like, all the seasons <laughs> of Oak Island and just do a super cut of, like, narrator guys' rhetorical questions. <sighs> They're so good, and there are so many in every episode. Oh, my God. Uh, if I have a bunch of time, someday, I'm going to make I that will, on YouTube. I mean, it's a... It is the It'll one like show that hours. I that I actually kind of hate watch, where it's <coughs> we totally I hate know, watch. I know what to expect, which is very little, <laughs> and they still kind of get me with their expectations, and you kind of want them to see. I mean, it's a show, right? And they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars at this point. They don't find a damn thing. Sometimes they Jared, can't find anything. Jared Ed puts it on. And it's like an hour and a half. And, and I'm just fall yelling asleep. at it, but I'm yelling at it until I fall asleep. You fall asleep. And then I'm like, dear dad, you're sleeping on the couch. Go to bed. And you're like, what if they find something? I'm like, <laughs> they're not going to find anything. It's been six seasons. And they haven't found a goddamn thing. I promise you, if this is the episode where they find something, I'm going to come upstairs, wake you up and bring you down and then we'll play it. That's true. I assure be, you they will find nothing. It would be like New Year's Eve. I mean, it would be amazing if they found something. Oh, my God. So far, they found a button. Yeah. A coin from, um, oh. like, England, which oh, makes brunch. sense since it's yeah. fucking Canada. Yeah. And a bent piece of lead that they believe is a cross. But it could be a bent piece of lead. Oh. Also, it, it was planted. Also, they're making <laughs> it into so much more Also, than a ton of mud and wood. Wood. They get real excited about the wood. We found wood underground. We dug and we found wood. They've they've uh. dug probably six t- shafts, hundreds of feet deep, hundred and seventy feet deep through watery mud, and they found nothing. It's like, well, they found nothing, so they're dr- now drilling a new uh, hole five feet north. And I'm like, proves. Ingo, five feet north is like between. You and me and that dog that we can touch here. That's five feet north. That's how far they moved That's it. Like They're digging a new Vink's hole. That's like nose over there is five <laughs> feet oh north. Oh, my God. And they, I mean, they're big cranes and construction companies. Millions and, of dollars. 
and engineering companies that are laughing their butts off that they are getting all oh this God. money to dig these so holes bad. in this small island off Canada. It's ridiculous. People, it's don't a, dig holes. And, all right, I can't so, stop watching it, though. Let, let me just put out my theory here, and then we'll end this. All right. All right, so their theory is that on this random island up in Canada, that there is some extremely important treasure buried hundreds of feet below the ground. Two hundred and seventy feet below the ground. Yeah. It's a real it, by like old peoples. Like not that it was buried fifty years ago, like hundreds of years ago. Perhaps the Mayans, perhaps the Knights Templar, perhaps the Vikings, we don't really know. Yeah. But ancient peoples came to Oak Island perhaps and buried the, this like, treasure. Pink the Inca no, the perhaps like the Crusaders, like Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. All right. A long time ago, the people Buried a treasure here, and then also had like all these booby-trapped tunnels and stuff. So you think about like, let's say that were true, the manual labor that would have to go into building not only digging this big deep hole, but then also building all of these yeah, booby traps. Three hundred years ago. Three hundred years ago, and if you, ha- I mean, you'd have to have hundreds of people working on this for the elaborate setup they have. In order to put something super valuable under the ground a couple hundred feet on this random island in Canada so they could never get it back. (laughs) Like, why would they do that? And they seem to not get, like, why would the Knights Templar take their very valuable treasure to this random fucking island (laughs) and dig this super deep hole and put this super valuable treasure that they would never, ever be able to get back into that hole Mm. and hide it there? They don't seem to have thought about get any that. of that. Plus, also, there'd be accounts of it, right? There's history. There would be letters home, like... This is GR mom smacking her head against the phone. Be like, dear Juliana, I, this is the fifth month that I've been <laughs> digging down my trench, and it's terrible, and it's dark down there, and I've been getting ticks and fleas, and yeah. it's awful. There'd be contemporaneous accounts. I mean, this is how it works. This happened like in the Civil War. You know what happened yes. because people wrote letters and tick documents. It would happen. <coughs> you can't. Terrible. You can't just. Yeah, it's not just some secret it's event. It's not even compelling TV. <sighs> no, it's just these two brothers. Like one brother, super rich and nice, and the other brother, super not rich and obsessive about this stupid digging. And at first, it was an interesting dynamic. Like. American Chopper, where you have like a family yes, dynamics, and you right. have like one guy who's like kind of nutty but poor, and the other <laughs> one who's rational but not poor, and is like, all right, I'm going to do this for my brother because he's my little brother, and he wants his thing. I'll he's give him three million dollars. Now they're like aligned and like, oh my god, let's dig here, let's dig that, let's drain oh. this, let's. They have like terraformed the entire yeah, small island into their own little garden, and it's they found nothing. They found nothing. They found nothing. All right. Yeah. So, a total excursion at the end there. Sorry, guys. GR recommendation against the Curse of Oak Island. Oh, we have a sponsor. Audible.com is our sponsor. Get the Stephen King book. Yes, we just went to see Pet Cemetery, uh, the new Pet Cemetery movie, which is different than the book in But scary, very well made and scary. And like sad and like explores the realms of grief and the movie is great. Yeah. Um and I actually just re-listened to the book when I think when we were driving down to the Keys. Mm, maybe um, you were driving down to the Keys. 
Yeah. Well, I, we're in different cars. So yeah, yeah. I think in December I re-listened to it, and it is really great. Um, yeah, Stephen King, underrated because so much more than a horror writer. God, such a good author and like so thematic mm-hmm. we spent most of dinner kind of talking about kind of the differences between the book and then there's like a movie i think from the 80s or early 90s and then this new one also good yeah also good but the new one changes some plot points in really interesting ways from the book which i think doesn't take away from the core themes but it's really interesting so the movie great go see the movie if you're um, into scary movies you know it's not even that scary yeah. right there's like not a lot of jump scares. Uh, we have a high threshold. You get scared by like the truck going by on the road. Dude, we have, it's jump scares. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're like used to scary movies. This is a thing. I don't know, man. Like I watch Paranormal Activity. I'm like hiding, waiting for the jump scare <laughs> a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. Like there's not a ton of that. No, it's no, it's true. It's sort of disturbing, but not like there's no. Uh, not like in like the saw torture porn way. Oh no. No, 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 it's not that. Uh so totally worth seeing the new Pet Cemetery movie and uh I think especially if you re- if you read the book or listen to the book first because there's a lot of like interesting homages that you wouldn't pick up on if you had like never if you'd never read the book and you just go watch it like it's fine but you miss a bunch of like interesting little stuff that's worked in there. Stephen so. King is a great writer and if you get to Stephen King through Pet Cemetery, oh, great. It's a great way to get in. It's yep. a great book. Yep. Uh where even Stephen King is like I wrote this book and then I put it in a drawer cuz I'm like nobody's going to fucking read this book. This is terrifying. This is terrible. Mm. Uh but it's great. So audibletrial.com/thegoldenratio get your free audiobook. You can start with it. Though, frankly, if you just want to start with it and you don't want to sign up at Audible, you can probably get the audiobook from your library. Yeah. And And if you want to dance to our theme music, <coughs> we encourage it. Oh, my gosh. We retweeted this great uh, follower. She, it was, she was amazing. She is a highly skilled dancer, and I would like to go out to the club with her, <sighs> dance into our theme song. Holy smokes. I don't know if I could handle it. I, I think I would let you go out to the club with her. <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, I'm just going to sit here and have a beer. Just be within my own limitations. Yeah. We're, we'll have epic. like a little dance-a-thon to She's the theme epic. song. Freaking yeah, epic. she was great. At the live show, <laughs> we're going to come out. I'm going to be dancing. You don't have to dance, but I'm going to like dance at the live show to the theme yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Next time, we'll talk about my experience of live dancing, but go ahead. Wait, you have an experience of live dancing? The next time. This is I don't time. even know this story. There we go. Oh, my God. I'm That's so excited. excited. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, thank you for listening to our very long episode, everybody. Sorry. We love you. We hope it had all the things that you like about the podcast. As they say in Canada, sorry. Sorry. Uh, don't bite anybody unless they ask you to. And then only gently. Yeah. <laughs> Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Bye. <laughs> Bye.